the unveiling of the company of heaven. Every man and every woman is a star. podcast. I am Eric Scott Picard, one of your co-hosts for the evening, the other being Patrick Ryan. Hey, what's going on, everyone? So tonight we've got a real fun show. Uh, I think we've got a show tonight that uh, I think you're definitely going to want to remember and you're going to want to check out this this project. A lot of beautiful film. We're speaking with uh, Blue Cobalt. Uh, Blue here is the executive director at Living Paradise and has been a part of many uh, intentional communities throughout his, uh, throughout his life, which we'll get into a little bit. Uh, Living Paradise <clears throat> believes that communities are our future, intentional communities of fulfilled individuals supporting each other and working together to create a better way of life on the planet. Uh, this nonprofit team is visiting a variety of communities across the United States and elsewhere soon in pursuit of finding out what makes these communities successful or unsuccessful and really what makes them tick. Um, they're producing a documentary series called Intentional, the first episode of which is up on their website currently. I believe the whole series will be available on their websites as well as iTunes and Amazon. You should definitely check out episode one uh, you could even pause the cat podcast and check it out or listen to the podcast here and take a look at it. But it's definitely something you're going to want to see. So I want to welcome to the show Blue Cobalt. Blue? Hey, everybody. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thanks, Patrick. It's good to be here. Well, it's really good to have you. Um, I think Pat and I were both just incredibly impressed uh, with the first episode of this Intentional series. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. It's been a yeah. lot of hard work, a lot of love and care going into this project because I feel like it has the potential to really help change people's minds about community and teach us how to do community better. Uh, yeah, and I think that's just so vitally important now. I, I really do. Um, you know, I guess to start off, uh, you know, I was reading in, in through your bio um, you kind of came to this because uh, it seems like because you've lived in a lot of like intentional communities um, mm-hmm. in the past. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And I'd also like you to tell us like what is your definition of the term intentional community? Okay, um, my definition of the term intentional community is um, a little broad. It's basically a group of people that come together to share their lives, uh, share resources, and help uh, each other personally, help each other as a community, and as a result, help the world. Um, It can be rural. There's a lot of rural ones that are off in the middle of nowhere, and there's some really amazing urban ones as well. It's basically a community can be anywhere. It's the intention behind it that makes it the intentional community. And so the communities I've been in, I've been in in quite a few different ones, like uh, from like 
a whole bunch of people living in an apartment in New York City to community housing in Los Angeles and Seattle, um, a beautiful little intentional community up in Canada, up in British Columbia for a while called Ashina. And I love Ashina. Ashina is a beautiful little gem of a place. And I, I look forward to visiting there again one day. Um, and, and other small communities in California and Oregon. Um, and basically, I, I've seen over and over again um, communities be really beautiful for a little while, um, reach a place where there's a lot of harmony and a lot of, of beauty happening. And if there's not a proper structure, it's really easy for them to implode. Um, are to just fall apart for ego issues to get in the way. Because communities are, are basically pressure cookers for all of our personal issues. Yeah, right. <laughs> <So I'm saying. laughs> yeah, which is not the thing that you definitely want, you know, that, that people want to necessarily walk straight into. But if you really want to evolve and grow and help humanity evolve and grow, um, community is an amazing way to accomplish that. Hmm. What, I mean, first off, I mean, it's incredible that from the research I've done, you know, after viewing your film, there's surprisingly, there's not really a lot of, it seems like there really isn't a lot of projects that were done, um, sort of documenting these communities for as many as there are. Um, yeah. there's this, you know, very surprising, you know, shortage of these sorts of things. And it, it offers such a vital insight into how these things work and dispels yep. a lot of the uh, stereotypes that, you know, people in the mainstream would, you know, put on these types of cultures and communities. So, and that... Totally, because they can, they can seem a little odd to the everyday people who aren't used to um, looking at, at life in, a, in this manner. Right, absolutely. And it's, you know, and... and, and what I find interesting about it is, though, is just the sheer amount of variety that I guess, mm -hmm. you know, all these communities will perpetuate um, in terms of how they're organized and the structures and whatnot. I mean, mm -hmm. did you find while documenting these types of uh, living conditions, did you find any commonalities or common threads amongst them or were they all pretty much totally different? Well, we've, we've just begun the documentation. Uh, we've only done one community so far. Um, we're going to be releasing the episodes in almost real time a couple of weeks after we film and visit each community. Um, so we haven't, we, we I can't see those threads yet. I personally have seen some in the experiences that I've had in communities, but I'm really curious to see um, the threads of commonality that appear through this series. That's... Hmm the main reason why or one of the main reasons why we're doing it this way instead of doing a documentary film um i think it's going to be much more rewarding to be able to dive into each community really deeply for an hour and then over time be able to see what works really well for most communities or what doesn't work well or um see all the different forms of of governing structures and ownership of land and um, spiritual structures and I mean, basically I mean, humanity is just this amazing mandala of, of all of these beautiful different reflections and communities are the same thing 
um, communities come together with a group of people and each community is unique, completely unique. And so the way they choose to come together, the choices they choose to make about governing themselves and what their societal structure is going to be are always really unique, which is which I think is just amazing. What I kind of uh, what I kind of enjoy, and if anything that you could say would be a common thread here, I, I think mm -hmm. would be this: is that these uh, uh, many of these communities, people that I've spoken with, the things that I've studied about some of the intentional communities, is is exactly that: is, is that the structures are made by the members of the community themselves, rather than being imposed on them by outside actors. Mm -hmm. So, so it's it's a consensual relationship in these communities. Yes, yes. You, you know, the, the governing structure is agreed upon. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're, you know, it's not, and th these aren't, you know, a, a part of a homogenous culture. It's groups of people with similar beliefs and ideals coming together and forming a a community that's fundamentally based on consent, which I find interesting. True, and and sometimes that consent is that one person rules, um, which is interesting. Um, in the case of the first um, community that we visited, Kashi Ashram in Florida, um, they were brought together by their love for a guru, a woman that, just this average Jewish woman from Brooklyn who had a huge awakening experience and suddenly had people following her within months. And these people all came together around her and she directed everything and they all did it lovingly and they did massive amounts of service in the world. Um, but they're now that she's passed, they're having to rebuild their governing structure and make sure that everyone's voice is heard and learn to really take care of themselves in a new way, which is really beautiful. So it's, it's fascinating all the different ways that the community is being expressed and how it changes over time, because they they all, if they want to last, they have to transform because people come and go, things change in the world, things change in the community, and all of the thing that I'm seeing amongst these communities is that if they want to last a long time, they have to learn to adapt. Yeah, it definitely seems, I mean, I, I have very minimal uh, experience living in a communal type situation, but uh -huh. from what I've experienced and from what I've researched and from what you mentioned the, into the beginning is uh, it's definitely a pressure cooker and it definitely uh -huh. seems like it's a very fine balance um, that you sort of need to strike for it to be successful and and it's you know it's adaptive you know what doesn't work yeah. you, you got to adapt and change things and, and move yeah. forward um as totally. opposed to it just being stuck on one sole ideology or dogma mm -hmm. that dominates everything you got to kind of mix and match depending on the situation or de depending on the underlying climate it's quite true it's it's quite true they have to change and adapt in order to survive um, you can't have an incredible, you can't have a terribly rigid structure for a community and have it last over time. Um, they're gonna shift like the farm in Tennessee that we're, is going to be one of our next episodes. 
Um, it was started by a guru-like figure. Hmm. He was more of a charismatic sort of guru, I believe, than a spiritual guru. But he really did kind of lead everything, and everybody followed him until um, younger generations came along and said, no, we want to shift this. And there was a, they went through a thing they called the Great Changeover a few decades ago, where his rule was, was set aside, and they moved to a much more um, consensually based, everyone's word being heard sort of governing structure, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, totally fascinating, you know, and it makes me think about things that, um, you know, about certain communities that started out, um, you know, very open and very based on consents and, you know, individual freedom and individual voice and whatnot, and, you know, turned into the polar opposite over time mm -hmm. as it mm -hmm. went on. And, you know, it's just wild to see how these things could literally flip you know, overnight, overnight, literally yeah. overnight. Yeah. I was the community I was in, in BC, a China, uh, was so beautiful. I was there for almost a year, um, arrived in the fall and the owner of the land left for Mexico shortly after I arrived for months and months and months. And there was a group of us. None of us was the owner. Uh, we, felt very equal. It was perfectly balanced. We took care of each other. We would hold circle once a week where everyone got a chance to speak and talk about whatever was going on in their lives, whatever was going on for them personally. If they're having any issues with anyone in the community, it would be brought up in front of everyone and everyone would discuss it together. And it was just amazing. It was like, it was one of the most blissful, amazing experiences I've ever had. There was a lot of challenge to it. There were a couple of community members that were really difficult, but we all wanted it to work. So there was this beauty to it, which was amazing. The owner of the land came back from Mexico and didn't really want to jive with the community structure that had arisen with us and wanted to rule and tell us who was supposed to do what job and when they were supposed to do it and created schedules and all this stuff. And the community blew up in like two weeks after he got back. And I, it was just so sad. It was so disappointing that this one person, because he owned the land outright, could mess up everything for the entire community. And so it's important communities have to try to set structures in place where they can deal with that sort of situation, where there's not one person in power where everything is shared or it belongs to a nonprofit. Um, there's so many, you know, to land trust. There's so many different ways to set it up where you can take um, egos out of the way more. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like a microcosm of, you know, what I think is kind of a larger problem with, uh, you know, the society of empire, the society of the state, yes. you know, which which is... You, you, as Mark Korsky would put it, land holding by force of arms, right? Um, yeah. you know, the idea of private property and then the enforcement of rights based on the ownership of land, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which creates this top-down structure in which people are, are kind of forced into roles that they might not normally 
want to enter into, mm-hmm. you know, in relationships, you know. It's true, and, and communities are looking at that and trying to figure out ways to solve it. Um, and they're doing many different things in regards to it. Um, as I mentioned, some are doing land trust where the land is held by a nonprofit or an LLC or corporation, and then people make a, a payment uh, or do work hours in order to be able to live on the land. Uh, but no one person owns or controls it, and they usually have a board which makes choices about it that's informed by the community members. Um, and then some communities, the land is owned by a trust or there's a, a governing body that is in control of it, but parcels are sold off to individuals. And in order to join the community, you actually have to purchase a parcel of land. It's usually at a much lower rate than out in the regular world. But it works for some communities because people really want their ownership of their little piece of land, even though they're immersed in a community. And then there's other communities that do hybrids. They do all kinds of, of things. You know, both of those sort of situations with community housing and, and all sorts of things. I find the, the big communities seem to offer different options, a whole bunch of different options in regards to how land is structured and held. Um, and what sort of housing you have, whether you live in a community house because you choose to want to live with 15 or 20 people, or if you have your own cabin down a path in the woods where you can go and have your privacy whenever you need it. Um, it, it seems like the big communities that do really well offer a variety of options in regards to land and housing and ownership and rent and things like that. I, I enjoy that that variety, and I especially enjoy the fact that it's uh, it seems that fundamentally communities find what works for them and the individuals in those communities. It, mm-hmm. it you know it kind of reminds me of uh, <clears throat> you know the way human beings structured themselves before the advent of of what we call civilization. You know, in small tribal groups mm-hmm. who would come up with solutions that were based on the individuals in that group. You know, mm-hmm. in, in their context, <clears throat> rather than a monolithic right. cultural structure. Yes, definitely. Like, you're in a particular spot in the environment, and what is your relationship to each other and the environment, and how can you make that work um, in a way that'll be sustainable and thrive? Um, and that's, I think, a, a big part of the key with this, with these communities. They They want to be viable. They want to thrive, they want to be sustainable. They, um, not all of them, but most of them strive to grow all their own food um, and to have businesses within the community where they work so they don't have to work outside the community, generating income for the community as a whole and for each other, you know, and for themselves as individuals. Um, It's pretty fascinating, the the different ways it's set up. for instance, Domenher in Italy, um, they have over a thousand people in their community. And yeah, I know. And it's like, well, how do you make that work with a thousand people? And they do it by splitting up into smaller communities within the larger community. So they live within nucleos, which will be a kind of a family unit, which might be a community house, or it might be a group of cabins in the woods, or two or three houses that are next to each other, uh, but that's your nucleo. And so you um, make your choices together for your nucleo. You feed each other, 
Uh, you take care of each other. But then within the larger community, there's huge community gardens where there's people that grow food. Everybody works jobs within the community. They have a lot of different businesses that are generating income for the community, selling products and services to the outside world. They have their own currency. Um, and they're so huge, it's spilled over into local villages that weren't a part of their community, where they purchase buildings and they now rent space out to people who aren't officially a part of their community, but they're kind of under their wing. And it's, it's just, um, they're a really, really interesting community. They've, they've got lots of different ways of interfacing with the world. And they do a good job of taking care of each other, I feel. Now that, that is utterly fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it makes me wonder, I've never really done any personal research, but it makes me wonder if there's ever really been any sort of conclusive, really in-depth anthropological studies on modern day, you know, uh, alternative intentional communities, because I feel like it offers a wealth of, of research opportunities, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, there, there has been some. Um, in fact, um, Jaya Priya, who is one of the uh, residents at Kashi, got her PhD in intentional communities. Hmm. Um, there's, there, it's a growing field. People are seeing, more and more people are seeing and realizing that we're moving back this direction, that the way we got all parceled off into our single-family dwellings where every family has to own their own car and fend for themselves is dead end and it's destroying the planet it's destroying our civilization and so they see that we're moving back toward this so more and more people are starting to study it which i think is great oh it's utterly fascinating you know and i, I think mm -hmm. it's the 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 older i get the more i'm starting to realize it it, it, it it's the key ingredient um, it is. It's the key ingredient to how we're going to survive, um, you know, as as a species, and it's a key yes. ingredient, I think, in just personal happiness. You know, mm -hmm. when you're with a healthy, loving community, I feel like the potential of you reaching states of bliss is is much more, you know, easy to slip into than when you're totally isolated and cut off and and, and stressed out and stressed out, right? It's very different. Um, it's so different. Like there's such a sense of peace when you're a part of a community and you know that other people have your back and that those patterns that you can fall into where you can procrastinate or you can um, beat yourself up or pretend that the whole world is bad and you know all the bullshit that you can create when you're in community you get it reflected right back at you. And if it's a good community, it's done in a really loving way, but you can't hide, which is incredible. You are really forced to be the best you possibly can be through all of the other wonderful people around you. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's really something, you know, because it's like anytime I've had an intense visionary experience um, one of the first insights I have, and you know, and I've heard this from multiple people, it's almost cliche, is 
wow, man, society's got to change. Culture's got to change. Like something's got to like, I, you know, I'm going to go move to the mountains with a bunch of like-minded people and just restart things because the, the way that we're doing it now just isn't working. It's totally, totally going against the grain, so to speak. So it's yeah. almost as if like these intentional communities are like a direct byproduct of these intense visionary states of consciousness you know, or, or, or rather, you know, these intense visionary states of consciousness really show you that the standard way that society is organized in, you know, the mainstream is sort of like the antithesis to these yes. visionary realms, you know? Yes, totally. And you see that community is where it's at, that we're all one and that to pretend that we're not and to not have compassion for each other and not take care of each other is is just a total dead end. Um, yeah, the only way we're going to make it through all these coming changes is to come together in communities and take care of each other. Yeah, I, it, it really seems like, <clears throat> you know, mainstream society is just fundamentally alienating. Mm -hmm. And it seems structured in that manner to, uh, to kind of funnel power upward into a mm -hmm. small set of hands. Mm -hmm. And those hands basically direct where everyone else is going. And I think that it, the bleakness of that scenario is really shining through. I mean, yes. I think it began shining through, especially during the 20th century. But now it's definitely reaching ahead, especially with the, the very vital importance of correcting, you know, climate change. And, you know, and the fact that the human species is... Uh, getting to be endangered now because right. of right. The, the way that we've structured industrial society. Yep. Um, <clears throat> do you think that, do you think there are more people going toward the intentional community model now uh, than in years past? I mean, the United States has a very rich history of various intentional communities at different times through its history. Totally. But totally. certainly now, just the level of alienation that exists in modern society, I, I would think people are would be running to these communities as fast as they can. It's We're at the beginning of that. It's just about to happen. It's starting to. And um, from the research I've done, it's interesting. It's surprisingly um, a lot of older people that are making the exit first, um, who are waking up and realizing that they have no one to take care of them and society will government everyone lied to them and they need to figure something out quickly they don't they're not people don't have retirements they know that social security isn't going to take care of them there isn't anyone to take care of them so a lot of them are looking for communities to live in and so that's a that's an important part of what's going on right now. Um, also, a lot of the youth that grew up in these communities and left them to go out into the real world and explore that and experience that are returning back, which is amazing. Um, but I think we're just at the very beginning of people really waking up and going, oh, man, I need to leave this. Um, I think there's going to be a huge period, though, where most people are going to wake up and be like, all right, I'm too entrenched in the system to leave. I don't really want to leave the system, but how can I make things better for myself and my community? And how can I have true community here? 
And I think that's one of the important things to be learned from these communities. I see them as living laboratories for the future where we all live in communities, but for right now, for people who just want to make their lives better, even if they live in the middle of New York or LA or wherever, it's really easy to start to get your, to know your neighbors and start building community. There've been a lot of urban projects that have completely changed whole neighborhoods and made them green and conscious and sustainable and growing their own food. And um, it, you can take it as far as you want to. And these places are great ways to learn how to do that. Absolutely. And, you know, you say that um, it's it, we're really at the cusp of these communities, of people sort of turning to these communities. And, I mean, I could totally see that. And I think as – especially as ecological – and economic pressures start to intensify. I really, I really think that yeah. people are gonna. It's gonna dawn on people that these right. sorts of, you know, communal situations are far superior to the top-down, um, centralized type community uh, uh, type society that we're in now. Totally, where everyone's separated. Yeah, that's that's one of the big reasons for doing intentional to help. Like we're we're at the cusp of a huge movement right now, and I want to help uh, facilitate that and help educate people about this so that they can move to an existing community if they feel so called and perhaps find that through watching Intentional, um, start their own community if they feel so called, which we need a lot more community started. Are simply have more community where they already live. Um, it's yeah, you know, we're at the very beginning of, of that big wave, and I'm excited about it. It's utterly crucial, and I think you know your project. It's you know, I mean, at least to me, from the the first episode that you know I watched, it really did convey you know the sense that wow, these people are so satisfied, and, and they they look like they're so loved, and you really get the mm. sense. Of community, and I think for a majority of people, that's that's totally foreign, especially here in America. Yes. That's totally a foreign concept. So I think just yeah. that alone, just showing that that one feeling alone, is mm-hmm. monumentally powerful. I agree, I agree, because you look at that and you're like, oh wow, it shows you how much lack you have in your life, right? And shows you what you really need. I think it's also an interesting project in that, you know, when you look at these communities everywhere, these little pockets who are doing things in their own way, it's convenient, especially in the interest of decentralization and in this modern world, that they be able to view what each other are doing to communicate with each other in a loose network so they can see what works, what doesn't work, you know, strategies for the future. It's true. Uh, it's true. They're all, most of them have been isolated for one reason or another while they focused, you know, on building their community. Mm-hmm. And, and they're all talking about how it's time that they have to network, network with each other and network with the world um, and offer what they have learned with the world. And that's another part of Living Paradise's purpose with this is to help these communities network with each other not only expose themselves to the world and teach other people about what they're doing, 
but to help network with each other. And uh, we're going to be creating an online network where they'll be able to log in and share resources with each other and answer yeah. each other's questions. And, you know, communities who have been doing it for a while will be able to help baby communities out to make it through the hard times. Um, or if they, you know, have extra solar panels or extra seeds or anything, be able to help each other out on a greater scale and have a, a wider range of support that way. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy that. And, it, you know, a, a lot of us have said for a long time that the best way, you know, to kind of uh, dissolve a fundamentally unjust system, right, like the global economic system, for example, is to build institutions that work alongside totally. that system. And then that old system will atrophy and decay. Totally. Right? Uh, it, yeah. it, it, that seems, this seems like a, such a great step in that direction to build these communities and network them loosely, you know, so we can form a totally different network of people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because, I mean, when people really discover what's available, are they wanting going to want to continue working those horrible jobs where they have to work overtime just to be able to sort of pay their bills and mm -hmm. be stressed out all the time working for someone that they don't like doing a job that they completely hate mm -hmm. you know when they could find community live in where they feel loved and supported do a task that makes them feel fulfilled and be serving others in the process it's just kind of a no-brainer yeah, it's a total no-brainer, and, and that's one of the things that interests me so intensely about this sort of thing is that, you know, for so long, the mainstream has looked at these types of communities like it's some sort of foreign, fringe way of living, but really, the mainstream way of living is what's actually fringe. I mean, totally. humanity's been it's living askew. tribes for who knows how long, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, yep. yeah, I mean, it, it just almost seems like this is this sort of tribal slash communal way of living is much more in accordance to the natural scheme of things than the, yes. the hierarchical way of organizing society. I agree. I mean, we don't really understand. I mean, there, we have lots of theories and stories and beliefs and so forth about why we've hit this dark bubble in humanity's history um, because it's totally not in harmony with who we are as a race of beings or this planet in any way shape or form but we know we're going to make it through to the other side um, there may not be many people on the planet there may not be many life forms on the planet but we'll survive and humanity in this planet will come back and community is the way that we're going to do it. It's the only way we're going to do it. We have to take care of each other. Yeah, I think that's the only way. I, I, I really do. The only way out of this mess mm -hmm. is to try to work together. And, and certainly the only way out of this mess is to stop behaving like we've been behaving. Totally. You know, this, indus this kind of industrial society, this modern society, this model... Uh, you know, in you know, the global capital. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's had a good run, mm -hmm. but it's not working. It's totally. certainly not working for the majority of human beings on this planet. Yep. So I think it's time to transition to something else. Yep. And use some of the things that we know from our history already work. 
um, tribal ways of being, um, more communal, more community-oriented ways of being. It's going to be different because we're different now. We've evolved and we've changed and we've been through this experience of separation. And we're not going to want to return back to a space where we have no personal say or anything like that. It's going to be a different experience, which is what these intentional communities are so, why they're so important. Because they're, uh, they're these living laboratories for this new way of living for us, which is taking from the old, taking from the new, and coming up with something that works for our our individual selves, but in a way that is in harmony with what we need as a whole. Exactly. And that's the irony of it all, isn't it? Because it's like these communities yes. actually allow for greater individual autonomy and freedom mm-hmm. than, than individualistic based ones. You know, It's true. It's true. The, in, the in, supposedly individual, individual based ones are highly suppressing and they keep people boxed off in these little corners and don't allow them individual freedom or expression at all while pretending that they've got all this freedom and then you can move into the space where it's you appear to be giving up some freedoms but you end up finding much more freedom and peace in the long run it's pretty amazing Right. And, you know, it goes back to this whole, you know, the way we think about things, we create these false dichotomies. And for so long, we've created this false dichotomy between, you know, individualism and and communism and, or capitalism right. and communism. Right. And, you right. Know. right. Right. When the answer is a mix of everything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, the world mostly exists in shades of gray. Right. You know, and usually if you have somebody who's coming at you with a choice that's A or B, mm-hmm. behind the rhetoric, there's usually a C there somewhere. Which is a, a combination of A and B. Because exactly. it's, a, yeah, where our minds, for whatever reason, want to break everything up into the, these dichotomies, these polarities. But it's not really that way. It is a big mix. And as we evolve through this this phase that we're evolving through right now, I think we're going to come into a really beautiful space where we begin to really honor and cherish all of these vast different choices and see how they complement each other rather than tear each other down. Um, I, I feel really great about the future. Uh, things may be super challenging in a lot of ways for us because of what we've done to the environment, um, but we will make it through and we're going to be better for it all. I'm confident that we can find solutions as well. Uh, I, yeah. I really am. And doing this show is, has really <clears throat> increased my confidence in that, mm-hmm. honestly. I, I mean, just talking to diverse people with different ideas, um, <clears throat> you see that there are people with solutions. You mm-hmm. know, uh, They're usually Agreed. not the people that you see on the mainstream news. They're usually not mm-hmm. the people that have the loudest voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are out there, and they are building these things. And, and I think mm-hmm. it's good that it's coming from the ground up. Yeah, I rather agree. than a top down. Yeah, like for instance, I mean, I feel, for instance, tech. I love tech. I think tech's amazing, and I think that tech has enabled us to do some mind-blowingly incredible things in this world. Yeah, it has gotten misused because we, as a race, have misused everything for a while now. But 
tech has the potential to help really pull our asses out of this climate change issue. Um, like I, I keep feeling like someone is going to invent some sort of carbon scrubber that saves us and prevents this from tipping over into this horrible thing. Um, we're going to need all the societal changes, obviously, at the same time. But if we have the societal changes with the tech and the proper use of things and not trying to control people and not trying to monetize everything, uh, we could enter into a really beautiful space. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it all comes out. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you know, it reminds me of that Nietzsche quote, the deed creates the doer. You know, mm-hmm. the, this it, the urgency and the actual event itself of what we're heading towards will ins- be enough inspiration in and of itself for people to yep. create these sorts of things. You know, that yeah. that's why I'm a firm believer in not sugarcoating how much mm-hmm. shit we're in. Like, show yeah. it. Show it in its raw form. Let people know, like, yo, we've really totally. done a number, and now we've got to right. dig ourselves out of it, you know? Right. Right, right, and your Chanel bag is not going to save you. you know? <laughs> right, right. Your culture is not going to save you. In fact, your culture is helping destroy all life on the planet. You need to wake the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we will. Like I have, I have total faith in us. There's, I've seen it over and over again. I don't exactly understand why, but we as a race procrastinate until the last possible second. And then we pull it out of our asses and we make everything work and then we make a leap. And I fully expect that to happen again. And I think communities are a part of it. Yeah, I made a very similar analogy just the other day. You know, it's always right at the last minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it usually happens. I mean, you can't underestimate the power of of human beings, you know, working together in a group for an urgent goal. Right, um, under under a deadline. We we do exceedingly well under a deadline as a race. And there's incredible creativity in the human species. That's why we've been so uh, successful, for want of a better term, mm-hmm. um, as a species. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's that it's that creativity, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And I think we have enough resources that we can do this. But like you said, we need to get rid of you know, like Terence McKenna said, that culture is not your friend. Right. Um, we need to shed some of the negative aspects of, you know, especially consumerist culture, mm-hmm. which is Definitely. incredibly wasteful, right? right. Uh, it, you know, it, life is going to change, but I, you know, in order to sustain ourselves as a species, and I think to improve the quality of life for the majority of human beings, mm-hmm. you know, I think that change, while difficult, is going to be a good thing. I agree. I agree. I and mean, the. The reason why people are putting it off is because it's not going to be easy for them. Uh, it's going to be a challenge for them to not be able to to live their lives exactly like they want to, um, to have to make concessions. Um, they're afraid that they won't enjoy it as much. And I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised because I've given up a lot in this lifetime to explore what it felt like and feels like to live with very little. And life gives you amazing rewards as a result of doing that. When you're not so focused on trying to gain your joy from your objects or um, the way your life is set up, 
you open the door for all kinds of wonderful magic to come through. Yeah. So, it'll happen. I have faith. Uh, I, I, I think you're right. I, you know, I, I think you're right. And, you know, just anecdotally, you know, that's been my experience. It's been a lot of people's experience. So I, mm -hmm. I think you're correct. Um, I'd like to talk more about where you're going uh -huh. in, a, sure. in an intentional. Um, yeah. The first episode, um, you know, we talked a little bit about that community. Um, uh -huh. And I believe you're organizing these into seasons like TV shows. Um, this, yes. is, this is the United States you're doing here in the first season, correct? Correct. Season one is the U.S. Uh, there'll be 13 episodes. So 12 more episodes that we're going to film over the next year. And um, the plan is that when season one is completed, we're going to be returning back to Florida to visit Kashi and get a sailboat and then continue onward from there. Uh, we want to visit Cuba and check out the communities there because I've read and heard that they've done some amazing work there as a result of the U.S. cutting off all trade ties with them they were forced to really move back to a, an older community model and they've just really learned to take care of themselves. So we're going to visit Cuba and then Central America and South America. And the plan is to just continue onward because there's so many amazing communities in the world, a million different flavors of community and much to be learned from all of them. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible journey an incredible yeah. adventure. Um, so we're going to be visiting a couple more communities on the East Coast, and then we're going to be heading West and visiting some communities in New Mexico and Arizona and on the West Coast, um, and then circling back to the East Coast next spring. We want to avoid the winter on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm psyched, though. It's It's been an amazing journey so far and it's barely begun it's just going to be incredible i love diving into these communities it's just a really fascinating experience because each one is unique um kashi was just mind-blowing i i was surprised at how much i totally fell in love with the people in the community from the moment we got there and I fully expect that to happen with most, if not all, the communities we visit. I think we're going to find many, many homes all over the planet. Well, it must be really interesting, I, I would think, to come in as an outsider and to mm -hmm. immerse yourself into that cultural ecosystem. Mm -hmm. you know? It's pretty fascinating. It's, um, it's kind of a trip because you're there to observe them and document them and then hold a mirror up for them to look at themselves mm. and and then hold that up for the rest of the world to take a look at them and it's fascinating like there's a huge sense of responsibility with it um, to tell their story as truthfully and honestly as we possibly can um, to not sugarcoat it but also not air their dirty laundry just for the sake of airing their dirty laundry yeah yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. To be I, very I, respectful. Yeah, it, it, it's so fascinating because as you as you're kind of moving through, you, you know these these social systems from one to the next, 
I mean, I, w- I would think that even like your your team must be becoming uh, becoming kind of a community in and of itself, like a traveling nomadic community itself. Yes, that's the it's. I mean, there's no way around that, and that's the way we're approaching it. That we are a community, um, and the fact that we don't have a piece of land or we don't have a spot where we're staying doesn't matter and it's so fascinating like this experience is teaching me so much about community and that's why i want to do this i wanted to learn about community and share that with others and it's 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 amazing like i for some reason i used to in my mind when i thought of a community i would think of the geographic location and the buildings and the people but you know the whole thing as a whole and i realized while that is true the community is actually the people and that group of people can up and move to a new space and they'll still be that community things will shift because of the new environment um, but the community is the people and and I'm really beginning to understand that more deeply and and love that more deeply are you planning on visiting any of the urban communities <clears throat> That yes. you know, we had to discuss before, because that seems like an interesting model, especially like in a an apartment complex or somewhere, you know, in like an uh-huh. inner city area where everybody's packed real close together and there's not much access to agricultural land. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know I've heard I, and have been involved with a lot of urban community projects, you know, like urban gardening and things, and I've I've heard of a lot of co-ops in ur- urban areas where people pool resources in order to, you know, pay utilities, for example. Uh-huh. But but I don't know that I've really uh, you know seen certainly not a documentary like on on this, this scale um, the ins and outs of how that works in that context. So I think when we think of intentional community, we think of this idyllic commune and you know off in the woods somewhere. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean that's that is true for a lot of them, but there's a lot of them that are right in the middle of cities. Like there's a lot of intentional communities. Um, in every city, like there's a lot of co-housing done where people are sharing housing, sharing resources, growing some food perhaps, um, but at least sharing their resources and learning to use them more wisely together as a group and take care of each other. Mm. And then there's some really big communities that have uh, popped up in cities like in, in Portland. Um, there is one whose name is escaping me right now. Um, and they've been there for a while and they're right in the middle of the city and they have some very rural part of their property which looks like a rural intentional community out in the woods somewhere but then they also have an apartment complex that is a part of it and they're very integrated with the city and with the world around them Um, and there's also one in New York um, that they have taken over two or three city blocks and purchased the apartment buildings and they run gray water now they grow organic food in gardens around their buildings and have really created a huge gorgeous amazing intentional community right in the middle of the city and I'm wanting to visit them for sure I really want to show all the different ways that community is being created and how people are making it work it really shows you, you know, as I was watching, um, you know, your first episode, it really kind of shows you the contrast 
or through contrast rather how utterly sick the model we're running on in the mainstream is you know that this whole competitive type um, atmosphere that's been perpetuated and i mean at the root of it truly is, is capitalism you know, I hate to point the finger at a soul ideology, but I would say that this whole capitalistic mindset of competition over cooperation, I truly think is is really at the core and at the root of how we've been so isolated and turned against each other. And, you know, it makes me wonder from what you've researched and from what you've seen and from what you've experienced – how do these communities orchestrate themselves on an economic level? Because I really do think that might be both the most important and both in, you know, the most difficult way of managing a community. Um, each one's different, but they all, the majority of them seem to, if they want to, um, gain any size and want to be around for very long, have to create community businesses um, and or nonprofits and offer um, some goods or services to the world um, in exchange for income. And for instance, Kashi, um, they have a school of yoga and they teach yoga and then they have a, a bunch of yoga studios and workshop spaces and rooms that they rent out so that teachers and people who hold workshops and things come from all over the world uh, with their groups to hold retreats there. And that's an income source for them. They also have community dinners that are open to the um, to anyone that wants to come on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I think. Uh, that's another one of their, their forms of income. Um, different communities do different things. The farm has a midwifing program that's been happening since the 70s. They're world known for their midwifing program, um, and that's a way that they generate income. Um, Dancing Rabbit and Twin Oaks have, I think, a few different nonprofit and businesses. Um, yeah, we spoke with somebody from Dancing Rabbit actually not too long ago. Oh, really? Cool. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm I'm really looking forward to visiting them. They seem like a really amazing community. It, it certainly seemed. Uh, I mean, it seemed lovely from the mm. conversation we had. Yeah. Mm. But it's so it's like their the way they approach um, their economics and their finances is unique, just as unique as the way they approach their land ownership and governance and uh, residences. Each community comes together to to create their own unique way of doing it. A common theme is to um, set your community up as a retreat space uh, where people can bring their groups, uh, where people can come for retreats, where maybe there's a spa or hot springs that people come for. Um, but then there's also a lot of communities creating products and services that go out into the world. There's got to be kind of a diversity in order to make sure that their income is stable. Right, right, right. I mean, it would only make sense for something that's so eclectic and visionary as some of these communities that they would obviously have to come up with something equally as visionary as far as economics go. Um, it, I'm, I'm particularly fascinated in you know these alternative currencies mm -hmm. that these yes. types of communities are coming up with. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's just incredible. They're you know creating this alternate currency which has a sense of value because they agree to it, and then um, they are able to you know take their wages in this currency, trade the currency of their local countries in for that currency. And in the case of Domenher in Italy, um, I mentioned that they've spilled over into their local villages. Their currency has spilled over into the local villages. So they can go they can oh. go into stores and purchase things with their currency from shopkeepers that aren't a part of their community because those shopkeepers see the value in it because they'll be able to turn around and use it to purchase things. And it's just pretty amazing. Um, it's, you know, it's just another example of the power that we give things through our um, cooperative agreements. Yes. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, that's, if, that's so true. Yeah. yeah. The only reason why insane people are in power right now is because it was agreed upon generations ago and we were just kind of born into this. Yeah. And the only reason why people feel like the dollar has any value is because we all agree that it does. And Precisely. we can change the world through our cooperative, cooperative agreements. That's, that's so, uh, that's so fascinating. And that's, that's so encouraging is, you know, especially that story, you, you know, like uh, the, the consensus reality that was created within this, con this, this community is now mm -hmm. leeching out into the greater, mm -hmm. into the totally. greater right and it's it's benefiting them uh it's benefiting all of them the people that are part of the community the people that are not a part of the community it's boosted their local economies there were villages that were dying that are thriving now because of dom and her and that's true of other communities and other places in the world too um they're just one example there's some amazing communities in new zealand australia all over uh findhorn in scotland is incredible um, there's just, yeah, ic.org is a great resource for researching communities. I, the letter I, the letter C, like intentional communities, ic.org. Um, they're run by the Fellowship for Intentional Communities, and they are incredible. It's a, a huge database of almost every intentional community in the world where you can find out detailed information about them whether or not they accept visitors, whether or not they're looking for new residents, what their form of governance is, what their spirituality is, um, their contact information. If, if anyone is interested in learning more about different communities, um, I think IC.org is a great resource. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've been on IC.org. Um, mm -hmm. I would definitely encourage people to check that out because it honestly is probably you know, the most exhaustive resource that I've seen. And a lot of folks who are in the know always recommend that particular yes. resource to me. You know? Yes, they're incredible. They're doing great work to further this community movement. Well, I mean, this has just been, uh, this has been fantastic. You, you, you know, and I, I would encourage people to do some resources, uh, research. I, I really think, I really think that the answer to a lot of the problems that we're facing now is not to, not necessarily to tear down the old institutions, but rather to create new and better ones, you know, that are based fundamentally on just equal treatment of, of human beings. Amen. Amen. I believe in the healing power of community.
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Blue, um, we're about at our time. Uh, right. Would you like to tell everybody how they can contact you? How yes. they watch? How can they? How can they watch the show? And how can they get in touch with Living Paradise? Awesome. Uh, if you go to intentional.world, uh, that will redirect you to our page on our Living Paradise website. That's all about intentional, where you can watch the first episode for free. We also have a YouTube channel um, that you can search for. If you search for Intentional World or Intentional Journey in YouTube, um, livingparadise.org is our main nonprofit website where you can find out more about Intentional and our other projects. Um, you can contact us through there. Um, phone number, email, and everything is there. And if anyone has any questions, um, would like to learn more about community, would like to learn more about our project, would like to join us on a leg of the journey, please feel free to contact me. I would love to talk to you more. Oh, that's great. That's great. <clears throat> yeah, and you can uh, you can take a look at all those resources. We will link them to wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast, whether that be Free Radical Media's YouTube or our webpage or iTunes. Um, <clears throat> Blue, it's been fantastic having you. Uh, thank you, Eric. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks, guys. This has been really wonderful. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Yeah, yeah thank you, Blue. We had a great time. All right, everybody. That has been the Free Radical Media podcast for today, this episode. Uh, I want to direct you to our social media platforms and especially, as of this episode, our new Patreon account. Please consider contributing to Free Radical Media via Patreon. Just go on the website, search Free Radical Media, and you will find our profile. You can also get a hold of us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and all of your major social media outlets. All right, everyone, for Patrick Ryan and myself, Eric Scott Picard, this has been Free Radical Media. Good evening.